Hey everyone, it's Jeff. So we've talked a lot about research and publishing, and now we're gonna kinda do it live. So it wasn't really our plan all along, but Jamie Hoffman had talked to Laura Pasquini, and you can hear the story in this podcast about how this started, about doing a research project around uh, podcasting. And so we decided to occasionally record these conversations and have them online about the, our process of going through this research project securing grant funding if that's possible, research questions, uh, focuses, etc. And so here's a snippet of our first conversation around this. This is a smaller part of a much larger conversation. So um, here you go. Here's the show. You can also find uh, Jamie Hoffman on Twitter at Jamie L. Hoffman. And I'm at Jeff Jackson and Laura is at Laura Pasquini. One last quick note. These conversations are happening during... Uh, Lunchtime, evening, when kids go to bed, when spouses are busy. This one happened to be happening while uh, Jamie is waiting for her daughter to wake up from a nap. So when we have an added guest at the end, that's where that comes from. So why you don't you have and I start a, talking about um, and a su- surprise. Um, why? Well, the main thing, like what happened with me is that I had a long commute, like a, a really long commute from Ventura to LA. Um, well, actually, it's not always really long, right? But it's LA, so there's traffic, so it's mostly always long. It's like and... two miles, but it takes you five hours. <laughs> Pretty much. Actually, I live probably 52 miles, and I can make it in an hour and 15 minutes, but usually it's over two hours. So um, I I just tried a few things and I landed on podcasting as being what seems to resonate with me occupying my time. And for a while I was doing more social um, podcasting. I got totally sucked into um, Serial. And when that first season ended, I had to find something else. And then I just started exploring those for professional development. And that I found that really engaging. In fact, I found it more engaging and useful for me in, um, especially the ones focused on teaching, because that was the space that I was in. But I found them more useful than attending workshops, right? Because I could uh, search through the episodes and look at the show notes for something that I thought that was really going to be meaningful for me. And if it wasn't, I could just stop listening to it. Like there's, it wasn't rude to leave the room. Like if you go to a workshop. So anyway, I just got really excited about this and I was able to really like immediately use the information. And, and I, but what I also acknowledge is that not a lot of people know about podcasts because I think, um, well, I know that they they sort of several years ago had become popular, especially for, um, you know, accompanying formal learning experiences. But there were some other ones. And then it just seemed like they're, the, they went away or at least talk about them went away. And now they're sort of back. It feels like this. And I just don't think people know about them. And so I had emailed Laura and said, hey, um, what do you think about writing a blog post um, just or like a series to highlight um, the different types of uh, blogs that are out there and and just really try to push that out, especially to practitioners who, well, I suppose researchers too, who could really just use this information. I mean, I found like a uh, one blog on uh, work-life balance um, for working parents, which was useful. Um, and it would be interesting to have, you know, something like that of specific to higher ed. But um 
anyway, that was kind of what I proposed. And uh, since I proposed it to a researcher, um, <laughs> I said, oh, my gosh, there's a wealth. And no one studied this for years. Well, she's like, oh, you said blog? Oh, you just wanted to do a blog post? No, how about we do a study? So <laughs> I can't put a blog post on my CV. <laughs> you can, but let's expand on that a bit. She's like, nice idea, but I want to do a study. So um, we kind of like sort of agreed that that was a good idea and we've milled around. Is that the right? Yeah. What you um, different kinds of approaches. And of course, since this is something that is, it's, it appears to have been studied quite a bit for the accompanying formal learning, but for professional development, hardly any. It's just like the other study that we're working on where it's like, okay, where do you even begin? Um, and actually, I have two ideas from the lit review we did, which at least um, I, I glanced over the articles, but uh, most of them were really kind of maybe something we could use for a lit review, um, especially the ones that talk about the benefits of podcasting. I mean, they are for formal learning, but there are a couple that I was like, oh, maybe that would be an approach. So, so the, re so the reason why I cough your blog post, Jamie, point of information is two things. One, we already had this networked community of practice, and I think there's a, lot, a huge podcasting community. And at the OLC, Online Learning Consortium Accelerate, they did a pod panel which um, I, I wasn't there for that part, but I heard they had a recording of it. And these were podcasters representing different types of podcasts in higher ed and had questions they asked. And I was like, oh, my gosh. And I curated their back channel because they had like a hashtag. So I took those um, curated tweets. I took the questions out. And I was, and then I was like, what other questions would I ask besides the questions they asked on the panel? And, and then we, Jamie and I started curating, like, well, what podcasts are there in higher ed? And then we noticed there's genres. And I said, yo, there's so much data on here. Some of them have transcripts. Some of them have show notes. Some of them are for research. Some of them are for teaching. Some of them are for student affairs. And so I was like, oh, this is kind of a cool study that we could study for for professional development in higher ed and do like, um, I think Jeff introduced me a gimlet, do like a sampler of these podcasts. So like have a genre, like have a podcast like this, uh, where you highlight a certain genre. So it could be like a writing podcast series for higher ed professionals and scholars, or maybe there's one on, there is some on instructional design and ed tech or learning technologies. That could be another. And so I was kind of like, yeah, we could like research out loud, sure, with your op-ed piece, a blog, a podcast. Um, I thought that would be neat, and Jeff would be into that because he he loves editing audio. <laughs> I thought, I'm glad you, I'm glad you added audio because I can't say I'm a great editor of of manuscripts. Oh, okay, right, I got yeah. it. So I'm like, I, I do, oh, audio, okay. I'm, audio, no, and audio. you are, okay. and I know Jeff wanted to do some more research in this area, and since we talk, yeah. like, we have a habit of talking about podcasts a lot on this podcast, uh, which is hilarious, and and it's also good, because we introduce some new ideas, we hope, um, so we hope that part of our research could be part of that, and yeah, um, and there's like a, a really cool network of podcasters, like Bonnie Sohobiak has a, a Slack channel higher ed podcasters we should probably infiltrate and involve yeah. um there's like also podcasting networks on like podcasters on facebook not that i'm really on there a lot for that sort of thing but yeah jeff what do you think you're still in or you're like i hate this idea <laughs> <laughs> 
No, I'm still in. I just went on vacation, so I'm super far behind on on reading my articles. It's okay. We it's all right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and, and honestly, I think um, it takes the longest time to download them because I just I really was able to. I mean, I downloaded them and it took me like over an hour. But then I I looked through them in probably only about an hour because mostly I just was able to see from the abstracts if there was something useful that we could go we want to go back to and then if something seemed interesting i read it a bit more but yeah Yeah. i got it in like an hour so don't don't worry about that uh and those listening to us banter about this what we did was search the scopus which is all the databases for looking at we searched podcasting plus um podcast star plus higher ed plus learning plus training plus professional development um, we did search teaching a little bit, but that may or may not be relevant for us. And how many articles we have? Do we have that we started? Um, about 120, I believe. Yeah. 115. Yeah, I know. I know that you must have found some more, Laura, because when we talked last yeah. time, I was like, "Oh, I can do 20. That won't be that bad." And then I'm like at number 20, and I was like, "Oh." We assigned to each other, them, and Jamie thinks I gave her more. I'm like, "Oh, she's doing really, really fast. Let's give her some more." And I say when we and when Laura says we did all this, I think she means we did all that because I haven't, or, or or they did all that. I should say because I haven't really done anything yet. <laughs> I didn't go to the Scopus and I didn't search anything. I I got a Google Doc sent to me. Yes, what I should find. Yes. So what we did was come up with uh, we, we like Jamie and I talked about search terms and looking for the empirical literature. Like there's some stuff in here in this literature, and I I can search. I've got I've got a couple. I'm fortunate to work for two institutions, so I've got a couple different databases, and so we have this collection of articles, and there's some decent op-ed and I actually kept in um, a couple other like um, articles that you just might like Jeff so I know as you work in the medical school there's just some interesting did you know articles if you ever wanted to share that but um, yeah like essentially we have this list that we kind of want to go from because you want to build on what other people have done before ideally and perhaps repeat that even though it's boring but yeah um, I think that was kind of the idea and in there there's some recent articles but not a whole lot like I only see like one 2016 like I'm just looking at the years right now Um, let's sort this but yeah there's not many um, looking at uh, studying this in a different way oh there's some 2017 I can see down there so um, so what did we find? So what's, what did people research and what, what did you find interesting? Well, I'll just, I'll just tell you one of the little nuggets that I thought was interesting, even though it's actually probably not related. It might not be something, something what we use. I got to find it in my file or in my, my notes. Um, so I'm going to get to that, but, um, for those of you wondering how we organize our massive list, uh, we have a spreadsheet. That's a Google Doc. It's a spreadsheet. And we put in the Scopus you can download as a CSV. Put it in there and divide and conquer. And we also use a Dropbox to share our PDFs that we're finding. And we're making notes on relevance, like the sample, what's the focus, the methods, like what they do to study. And just um, I put notes for sidebar comments. And so, JJ, you'll see JJ read this or... This is kind of crap or yeah, those are sort of the comments. Yeah. I find it useful as a, just like one-stop shop for kind of like remembering what 
the study approach was. And then obviously for going back when we see things that we found um, were useful. But so one of the things, because I know I just mentioned um, earlier that most of the articles uh, specifically talk about the use of um, podcasting as a supplement to some sort of a class or formal learning experience because there's also a couple of like teacher education professional development type things and um, there's a good amount of research that sh that's actually showing that podcastings are podcasting is useful for learning and so before I talk about the things that I think are useful for our study approach I just wanted to mention that there is a study um, done on I think orthopedic students let me just see journal of, in of surgical education okay and so the, the uh, title was superior gain in knowledge by podcasts versus text-based learning in teaching orthopedics a randomized controlled trial okay so you know what their methodology was um, from that but here's what they found is that um, it compared students learning outcomes with podcasts using podcasts as the delivery method for content versus a textbook um, under laboratory conditions and it showed significantly higher gain of knowledge and higher satisfaction from learning with podcasts compared to textbooks so i just thought um it was a pretty compelling there's a lot of the other articles had similar findings, but that one was pretty compelling because of the methodology they used. And um, and I just thought, wow, I mean, that, that makes a really good case for the benefits of podcasting. So I, in that way, I think it's related to what we might do. But I also just was like, oh, maybe I should start thinking about podcasting for my class. Um, and then the other thing that, that you'll see in some of the articles if um, when you look at them, but um, I didn't know that a lot of students, not a lot, but it, it, it's a trend to have students author and produce podcasts as part of classes. And that's showing also favorable results. So um, that kind of just got me thinking about sort of the the tool for oh. learning in a formal capacity um as well so so you're saying i that mean jeff and i are geniuses because we're podcasting to learn ourselves well of course of okay course. good yes validation and you could pretend like you're taking a fake course and that would replicate how it's being used in the studies i looked at interesting <laughs> well because i think about the podcast like there's that indie one that um we talked about and i know that i changed you had it in your list and when i reordered it um i looked at it it's about why independently um podcasters Ooh. produce and the motivations for that um and i'm gonna look Ooh, for that. that yeah so essentially it explored um the motivations for why people podcast independently. I must have made notes here, so I'm just going to scroll through my notes. And what that meant, um, oh, um, yeah, so essentially what that meant, why they produce them, what's the motivation, um, yeah. And so I was wondering, because we have a number of podcasts in higher ed now that are produced by individuals, not just institutions. So we do have, like, a professional orgs, and maybe universities are community colleges producing podcasts, um, sponsoring, but we have a lot of independent folks uh, like us. Jeff and I aren't sponsored, but we'll take money if you have it. Um, mm -hmm. That are producing podcasts for higher ed people or folks, or that's who they have, their affinity group is, I guess. And I will get yeah. the name of that um, 
Jeff, what did you, what were you, what was interesting to you? Um, before I get to that, whatever happened to iTunes U? Is it, Good question. It's Remember like five years ago, that was such the rage? It stills around, like it's just like iTunes is now called Apple Podcasts. Yeah, that's kind of annoying. Like overnight, three weeks ago, it became Apple Podcasts. I'm still calling it iTunes. I don't care. I kind of forgot about it, and just this conversation sparked my memory because UT system schools were not allowed to use iTunes U because there were some major accessibility issues. Right. As a, as a, I remember that for the CSU system too, but I feel like they got over uh, that the California State University system, but I feel like they got over that hurdle because I think I saw some note about it, but it still didn't really seem to become a thing. Yeah. Well, something interesting that I found while I was looking at, speaking of access and podcasts, because podcasts, you're right, for the most part, are single media format. There's not too many of them that offer transcriptions. Um, So I'm hoping some of our research will transcribe some higher ed ones. Um, And I'd like to, and my my other side uh, task that Jamie and I are looking at is research funding, because I think if we're going to study them and we want to get some transcripts, it'd be great to give it to the hosts to put on their websites or attach because <clears throat> multimodal, I'd love to create accessibility with this kind of learning, even though it's great when you're on demand or if you're at your office, you can listen to it. But having um, a transcript is also valuable for a number of reasons. Um, so I, I really value like folks like Katie Linder does it with a couple of her podcasts, uh, the YGT and the, or the Oregon State, and I think more institutions are thinking if they're going to produce it that they should and will have a podcast mm-hmm. beyond some of them. Most of them have show notes, um, but some of them are thinking maybe I should. Um, yeah, so that's kind of what I was thinking a little bit about. So one of the few articles I, was, I, I read, which I didn't think was important at the time, but now this conversation is making me think we, I need to go back to it. It was from a conference proceedings and it was about um, automatic transcription service for hmm. podcasts. And so it it wasn't a research project per se as much as there's a service and they're making recommendations on how to make the service better. Um, I This is from 07. So um, I should drop this in the Dropbox so I yeah, can have access to please it. Please do. I'll just highlight that. Well, and that's something that was talked about in this higher ed podcasting back channel because I think there's some subscription services that I am considering not only for podcasts but for projects like this and other interviews. Um, Have you heard of Trint.com? It's a subscription service um, that you don't pay for each transcript by minutes. So I usually use Scribby.com. And I could tweet out a link to the other resources that you could transcribe, and that's usually like 75 cents a minute, or it's up to a dollar something a minute for other uh, places. Trint, you would get X amount of hours per month, and you just pay this bundle. And for people that podcast or have, let's say, a lot of research interviews, um, that's actually more, it's more viable and it's more cost effective. So when I send out an example, let's say I send out, 10 one-hour interviews, that might be $300 for one of the services. But if I subscribe for 10 hours worth, it's only 120 when Wow. You, when you work out the difference. Um, so yeah. that's, that's kind of what I'm thinking a bit more about. And I'll, and I'll share out this article that um, I've been saving my buffer. But I think it's really important about, like, I think transcripts also offer 
more visibility to video and audio stuff, like other media files. Like people are more likely to find it, use it, read it, I guess. I mean, I'd also add the variable of um, having been a primarily consumer of podcasts, unlike uh, the two of you. Um, well, I know you consume as well, but um, sometimes there's varying degrees of um, audio quality. And yeah. there has been a couple of occasions where, I mean, A, I've kind of wondered, like, are you in a bathroom or something? But, uh, <laughs> but B, I've kind of thought, oh, they like what they just talked about would be great to go back to, especially, again, the, you know, I get a lot of teaching strategies and ideas. So it would be great to, you know, open something up and be able to kind of review it again. Um, so, I mean, that's another kind of benefit of the, the transcripts. Um, yeah, yeah, Jeff. I, 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 I was to say that's been one of the biggest changes I've witnessed in podcasts in the last, I don't know how long, six years, eight years, six, five years, four, how long we, four, whatever. It was just four. <laughs> we stopped in 2013, so from 2010 to 2013 was old. I guess in break drink. Technology. Then, there's like dog years of podcasting. Like it's like <laughs> in technology. It seems longer than a year. Yeah. yeah. Um, however long I've been like listening to podcast, I guess I say listening, which goes goes beyond us doing it. Yeah, I've been listening to. It's the quality of them. It used to sound like people were talking between two tin cans, and that seemed completely acceptable. And now that there's these podcasting companies that are like highly engineered and super produced, like the tin cans like aren't even like tolerable anymore. And so yeah. now everyone has to. Um, have better quality sounding podcasts. Yeah, yeah. I will say that there's a good lit, well, not good, but there's a decent lit review. So systematic lit reviews. Um, from my experience, um, I've done a lot of them now in different areas, but there was a good one, um, the Hugh article. They do the use of audio podcasts in K-12 and higher ed. So it's a review of research topics and methodologies. Um, that mm -hmm. gave a good insight, and so I just highlighted that in green. And it does a lit review up to 2008. So that would be good for a, a jumping point for us to go 2009 forward if we wanted to just concentrate on the literature. Like, one, honestly, a paper we could write could be on literature, like this kind of paper, and then also use that systematic review because Scopus is just step one of like six ways I do a systematic review. So we'd still look at um, other gray areas, if there's any other databases that are applicable to this. Um, Google Scholar would be like an area where you could find gray empirical literature. But I think if we wanted to do that and like robust up this search, because this is just one open search of topics that, that could do, we could do that. Um, it's kind of what I thought about there with that article. I mean, ones? I guess maybe yeah. we should back up and say, like, what what really would be our research question? Because yeah, that's what I think. I'd base it around first too. Yeah. So I really wanted to know what the motivation is, right? So, and these refer these for the hosts, but what's the motivation? What motivates people to listen to podcasts for their um, learning? Like, if they've said, I've, if, like, if we frame it as, do you use this for learning? Uh, what's your motivation for learning or why are you engaged or tuned into this sort of thing? Um, the opposite side is if I talk to a host, I'd say, um, 
how do you currently determine success of a podcast for learning? And so the questions that came up on this pod panel, they talked about reach, download, metrics. But they, I think some of them value interactions with their listeners. So some of them not only have audio, but they have a Twitter handle or a Facebook page, or they have a community on Slack, or they have um, a hashtag, and there's conversations there. So I, I'm curious all the time, um, and that's not what Jeff and I do anymore because it's just about us talking with guests like you. Um, so, yeah, I'd be curious on how people measure it. Like, Jeff answered this. You remember what you said? I remember. You said that mm-hmm. if, you're, if you're learning, it's a good podcast. Oh, yeah. I guess I could say that. <laughs> what would your research we, we question talked for be, a long Jeff? time i don't remember what i said for most of the answers probably we had we had a time we chatted we actually have an audio file somewhere where we've asked what we talk about in questions um yeah so i guess the idea like i guess i really want to know motivations goals reasons like why do they listen um and i'd ask the opposite to host what motivates you to produce develop um, I'd like to know from these podcasts, I, from listening to a podcast and even to, uh, getting an example of our most recent listen podcast, is there something they've done post podcast that was related to that? So an example might be if they recommended a book, an article, a website, do they follow up and do something else? Like I wanted to know, is there an action potentially after they listened? Um, would it, and an action could even be shared with another colleague who might need this resource, or it could be having a discussion with a workmate, or I don't know, downloading another podcast they recommended. I just, that's a good idea. I don't know. Okay. What would you want to ask, Jamie? Um, I definitely share an interest in asking those questions. Um, that you just mentioned, although, well, not, there's not an although. I'm also now interested in having a sort of stepping back from the motivation and research question being something to the effect of what podcasts exist for learning and professional development for higher ed faculty and professionals and what are the you know, delivery method, schedule. I mean, just kind of, I mean, we've kind of informally, well, not totally informally, but we've collected this information. But I think it is useful because, you know, my goal coming into this project is finding a way to get more people to know about these tools. So I think having just a review of what's out there um, is an important piece. I agree. I I think that's interesting too, and I don't know if you'd call it a meta analysis, but almost like a meta analysis of what exists in podcasts, like topics, host delivery mechanisms. Um, I guess like the audience, right? So some are for student affairs professionals, some are for faculty, some are for doc students, some are you know so like. And maybe from that, we create, like, based on this, like, we're going to create how we're going to code other things, right? Like, we kind of got our, our skeleton down of what exists. And yeah. so I think that's great. Like, yeah, I, I feel in some ways we're playing beat the clock with, with, uh, with this, with your little one. But. Yeah. We're, we're running down. Well, we're at, we're at time now, but I think, I think that 
first is like calling, like looking at the literature, um, I'd say from 2010 onward, like 2009, 10 looks like the last kind of big overall systematic reviews. And then also doing a search for what in higher ed are people listening to? Like there's all these higher ed ones that are on iTunes or Apple podcasts. I don't care what you call it, but I think that might be a good call to call and ask um, if we can figure out what other people are listening to in higher ed. That's good. Hey, super guest. She woke up happy. Well, at least not grumpy. She was she was crying because she just wanted me to hold her. So I knew if I had her in my uh, lap, she'd probably be okay. So, um, well, at this point, I'm going to do an open call for podcasts that look yeah. something like the first part of the spreadsheet. Mm-hmm. Um, is there anything else you'd want me to ask? The name, the website, um, do you, Apple. I'll call Apple. Whatever podcast catcher url like i'll give a couple examples but i want people to populate this i think we're about done to wrap up but i think that's good bye